Well, when my cousin was born, he was given an unusual middle name. He was given the middle name Maranatha. I remember enjoying saying this name as a child, rolling it around on my tongue. Maranatha. It's an Aramaic word, and it means, come, Lord. When I learned this, I became a little bit more cautious about saying his name. As a young child, I knew I was supposed to want Jesus to come back, but I also knew that there were some things I wanted to do before Jesus did come back. For instance, I wanted to go on a roller coaster. Surely Jesus could wait until I'd gone to Six Flags to return to Earth. As I grew older, what I wanted to do changed, but my feelings about Jesus' return didn't. I was still ambivalent. I knew Jesus' return would be good, but I began to suspect that he wouldn't be too pleased when he came. I wasn't in a hurry to meet him, in other words. Well, our reading from Luke's gospel today is just the sort of passage that used to fill me with dread. Jesus says at the end of it, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. It sort of reminds me of the dread I feel when I'm on a tech support call, and I get put on hold. It's like we're waiting for that automated message to turn into the sound of a real human voice, but we have no idea how long it's going to be. Worse, though, is the suspicion that even when we do hear that voice, we won't be ready. How could we be? What would that mean, after all, to be ready to meet Jesus? Well, we're fortunate that Jesus himself gives us two pictures of readiness in our gospel passage this morning. One is of people who are ready, and the other is the opposite, of a person who isn't ready to meet Jesus. We'll start with the good one. The image of those who are ready for Jesus' return is of servants who are waiting for their master to return from a wedding reception. They've prepared his nightcap and his evening snack, and now they're just watching the driveway for his car. When he gets back, he comes back with a surprise. He's glad to find they're awake, and so he pulls some leftover wedding cake out of the back of the car, and he pulls a bottle of champagne from his coat pocket. He says, sit down. And then in this amazing inversion, he proceeds to serve his servants, the feast that he's just come from. The master serves the servants. Then, of course, we have the photo negative, the opposite of the person who isn't ready to meet Jesus. It's of a homeowner whose house is robbed in the middle of the night. If this man had known that the thief had been coming, he would have prevented it. He would still have a TV on his wall and a nice Persian rug on his living room floor. Instead, he's slept through the night, and he's woken to a nasty surprise. Well, I don't think there's any question which picture we hope to be in, which surprise we hope to have. We'd like to be ready for Jesus when he comes to us. But what is it that decides which picture we're in? What does it mean, after all, to be ready, and how do we know? As I've grown up, Jesus' sense of imminent return, my sense of Jesus' imminent return, 
has diminished a little bit. As I've grown older, I've realized that most likely I'll meet Jesus not at the end of the world, but at the end of my world. Jesus will come to me in the hour of my death. It's been a great privilege to be here this summer, and one of my favorite parts has been um, participating in St. George's ministry to those who are in that hour of death. Earlier this summer, I, I was able to visit a parishioner who was in hospital, and um, he was close to death. When I met his family, I was surprised and um, encouraged by the assurance that they had that this man was ready to meet Jesus. They knew that he loved Jesus, and they knew he was ready to meet him. And so in that hospital room, even amidst the sadness, there was woven a thread of assurance. When we gathered in this space the next week for his funeral, I felt that same assurance in this air. Well, what gave this family their assurance is this word from Jesus at the beginning of our gospel reading. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This family knew that the kingdom is a gift that God delights to give to us, and for that reason, they weren't afraid. The dread I grew up feeling at the thought of Jesus' return is, in the end, misplaced. It pleases God to give us the infinite gift of the kingdom. And yet it doesn't always please us to accept that gift. To accept it, we know that we need to make room in our hearts for God's kingdom. W.H. Auden once wrote that the desires of the heart are as crooked as corkscrews. As we push deeper into our hearts, we discover that what we desire spirals back and forth between God and what is opposed to God, the things that keep us from him. We love God, and we love being free from God, almost in the same heartbeat. Our treasure is in heaven and on earth, and we like it that way. Our hearts are divided. Each one of us, then, has some desires in our hearts that make us unready to meet Jesus. And this means that when Jesus comes to us, He will come as a thief. He will come to rob us of the things that entangle our hearts and tie us down. He will rob us of the material possessions that keep us from being close to him, and he will rob us from all that separates us from God. This robbery, this thievery, will be painful for us because it will mean being separated from things that we really love, even if they are things that keep us from God. Jesus will be a thief to us. This is why he tells his disciples to sell their possessions and give to the poor. The Gospels tell us that the poor are God's representatives on earth. When Jesus tells his disciples to make purses for themselves that do not wear out, he means that giving to the poor is a way of giving back what we have to God. The poor are God's particular friends, and our gifts to them our gifts back to God. Jesus knows that the desires of our hearts are as twisted as corkscrews, and he tells us the way to straighten them out. Give it away, he says. Separate yourself from the things that tie your heart down. Give away what keeps you from God. 
this is the way to get ready to meet me. Well, I think I knew this even as a child. I knew even then that Jesus' coming would mean being separated from things that I loved. I knew I wasn't ready. Of course, I'm still not ready. There's things in my heart that get between me and God. And so when Jesus comes to me, he will rob me of those things. He will be a thief to me. And yet he will also come as my master, as my master who comes to serve me, his servant. You see, the two images Jesus uses of people who are ready and not ready to meet him don't depict separate categories of people, but of the one condition of each of our hearts. He will come to us as a robber, and he will come to us as the host of the heavenly banquet. And when he comes as a host, he will invite us to sit down, and Jesus himself will serve us. The best depiction of this I know is from a poem by George Herbert, who was a 17th century Anglican priest. It's entitled Love Three, and I'd like to end with its words. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. Yet quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack, from my first entrance in drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful, ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. God's good pleasure is to give us the kingdom We make ourselves ready to meet Jesus, not just by giving away the things that crowd our hearts and keep us from God, but also by coming to this table, by coming to Holy Communion. Jesus himself is our host at this table, and though our hearts are still crooked, he meets us here. So come, love himself welcomes us to this table. Let us feast. Amen.